0: Welcome to Asked and Answered, the podcast that answers all your missions-related questions. With me in the studio today are Ron and Karis Pierce. Welcome back, guys. Hi. Hi. So I have a question about persecution. Now, that's not a word that we like to use, but I'll let you explain that. My question involves, how is the National Church um, experiencing persecution, and what lessons are we perhaps learning from all of that?
1: Well, Joy, um... Persecution is sort of like one of those words that's thrown around in Christendom as a, uh, okay, let's get excited word. Uh, yeah. it's, it's sort of something like we want to hear about it, but we don't want to hear about it. We won't, we, we're, we're sad for the people around the world that are experiencing it, but we sure don't want any here ourselves. Right. And then the third thing would be this, sort of like, well, I don't really even understand it. Um, I, I, I we've never experienced it all that much. And then we start delving into our memories over here in the Western world thinking, okay, now Joe said he didn't like what I was saying about Jesus and I got demoted the next week by another boss. Okay, maybe that was persecution. In other words, we start to sort of figure out how, how right. we over here are being persecuted for our faith. But what I want to do today is this— Let's back up to about 20,000 feet in the air and look at this on a larger scale, all right? Okay. And then we can come down to the particulars as to what persecution looks like um, in these countries of the world. So here we go. Um, You have to start with Scripture, and you have to realize that Jesus actually promised us that we were going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. He says it in Matthew 5, and he talks about the whole thing of, if you're going to follow me, you better count the cost, because there's, there's a price to pay. The world doesn't like me. Satan doesn't like me. Um, uh, everything is stacked against you because you like me, and therefore, be prepared here.
0: That's a scripture we just like to glaze over, maybe. Well, not pay attention. To. Yeah,
1: we we lighten certain words when we want to, and we make them heavier than normal at other times. So this is the one that Jesus kept going over and over and over, and telling the disciples, "Count the cost, count the cost." So then, then you got other people, and I and I like to go to Peter a lot, um, and he says there in First Peter chapter four, he says, "If you are insulted for the name of Christ." insulted doesn't doesn't carry the full weight of it but it puts it in the right realm of you're going to walk with a name tagged onto your 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 chest and that's going to be the name jesus and you're going to be known as the property of jesus Mm. and therefore people are not going to like that they're going to try to come around in various ways. And the word insult here means a backdoor sort of approach to persecution. You're going to be insulted, mm-hmm. not physically, but they're going to come at you in certain ways, verbally, uh, intentions, attitudes, all these sorts of things. And that is what we are experiencing today. It um, makes me think of when you wear a team jersey. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, if, Nobody else likes that team and they will – you'll have complete strangers coming up to you and making comments on that that team. That's exactly it. Well, okay. So so you're walking into a football game or a hockey game or something like that in a stadium where the home team is totally decked out in red for the color of their, their team. And then you come walking in in white and blue, okay? (laughs) And they know that's the opposition. Well, what what do you think is going to be the attitude and the words that are coming at you? Some of them will be gentle, and there are odd times when somebody really wants to pick a fight, Mm -hmm. etc. So, that's exactly, cares, what we've got here. Um, Another one, Paul says this. Now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. So, godliness— Or standing apart from the crowd is going to separate you out as being someone who follows Jesus. Because Jesus preached godliness. Start to act like and expect to change into people who follow after God. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is going to cause for you a problem. And Paul was saying, all who want to do this, everybody who wants to, you're going to be persecuted. And then the last one, John and this is where you go into the book of Revelation. And uh, it says this, Now when the Lamb opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been violently killed because of the word of God and because of the testimony they had been uh, had given. So in other words, um, it's it sort of be in the end times, it's going to be stronger. But throughout all time, there's a piling up of people. And this is what it's talked about here. All those people who had been persecuted in times past for using the word of God, in other words, quoting scripture and everything of that nature, living by that, quoting it. And secondly, uh, just basically because um, they carried that testimony proudly and they confessed, I'm a follower of Jesus. So for the testimony, as well as following their lives according to the word of God and speaking the word of God, That's why they were persecuted. So that's the big picture joy that you get as to what's historical, what is biblical, and probably what is futuristic as far as this is what it's going to be like in the end, only even more so.
0: Right. So I wonder, the first question that comes to my mind is, what if we're not feeling persecuted here? Does that mean there's a problem with our personal walk with the Lord? Like, should we be Mm. expecting more persecution? I— that's a tough question.
1: It, it's it's hard because everybody's gonna to go to their own personal walk with God and feel guilty. Yeah. Um, and everybody's gonna say, Well, I, I, I should be persecuted a lot. What am I gonna do? Um, and then they're gonna go out and become obnoxious.
0: Yeah.
1: And and therefore <laughs> for persecution. Yeah, and they're gonna put a sandwich sign and stand on the street <laughs> yeah, corner and we, yeah. uh, and 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 start yelling scripture at everybody that's driving by. Uh, that's that's not really what we're talking about right. here. It's our way of life is going to, at times, cause people to feel guilty, convicted, um, envious. Uh, I I can probably sit here for a while and think of other words. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be a separation. And that's the separation between light and darkness, sheep and goats, all of those separations. When that time comes in our lives, and it's periodic— and um, you can get it from family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and whoever else. But when that time comes, you just got to be prepared not to run away from it, right. but to stand proudly with that. And therefore, that may include physical persecution, yes, um, probably the verbal and then the insulting more than anything else mm-hmm. in a Western context. But, but, the days are coming.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it's certainly pressing down upon us more and more.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the more we start to stand apart, because godliness is, just, is, is coming away from ungodliness. It's the move away. So people see that you're more following after and more like God in your nature. And the world is becoming less like God in its nature. And as the Bible prophesies in the end times, this is going to get really serious. So as time goes on, we're going to become um, obvious, for what we believe, and that's going to cause friction.
0: And that godliness will be labeled as intolerance. Yes, right,
1: in in all sorts of ways. And then sometimes you get people um, that are, as I I use the word obnoxious, Mm -hmm. because they're going way past witnessing, and they're trying to make a point. They're trying to pick a fight sometimes, and Christians do that. Christians at times want to fight. They want persecution. They want that sort of thing. But that's not what we're talking about here, and that's not what the Bible talks about. It's talking about our godly lives, standing for the Word of God, that will cause a reaction. Okay? And there's different, uh, obviously, different levels of reaction based on culture and location, countries. Um, it's, exactly. It all varies. Oh, it, it, it varies It varies within a country, within a culture, and and everything. Like, you go over to Israel right now, and for a person to leave um, Judaism and become a Messianic believer following Yeshua, um, boy, there's going to be a reaction. It's going to be by everybody, primarily family. And uh, they'll even, um, you know, kick them out of the house and all that sort of thing. So, this happens in various ways at various levels. So, yes, absolutely. Um, Now, let's move on for time's sake. And let's talk about for just a second what, what the nationals around the world. These are indigenous believers in the countries of their birth. They are following Jesus. Churches are growing. They're multiplying in size. Their number of scriptures being put into their hands is accelerating. They are starting to live by that word of God, like we talked about in Revelation. Everything is starting to change. And now they are coming out, and the unbelievers are getting concerned. And this happens in India. uh, It's happening in China. I'm just a uh, few—Vietnam, when we were there. Various countries like that, all of a sudden, they are starting to say, okay, we got too many Christians here. I'm feeling uncomfortable now. We're going to stop this. And that's when the persecution comes in heavier and heavier and heavier. And that's what we were told. Success does breed— Persecution.
0: Oh, that's like the story of Moses, right? When the they grew in population, and then the exactly. Egyptians, right?
1: Then they got concerned, right. thinking, oh, These guys are getting a little this too is getting big, getting out of
0: control. <laughs> this is out
1: of control now. Yeah. So, okay, let's bring it down. So that's what they're trying to do in certain of these countries by passing laws, or by physical intimidation, or by um, kicking them out. Um, you know, there's various ways of approaching this. So, here are some of the things we've learned. And I, I think these are uh, these are probably across most cultures, these general principles, okay? National believers do not approach the matter of persecution for their faith. They don't approach it flippantly or with a cavalier attitude. Now, let me explain what that means. It's sort of like sometimes over here, we want to brag about the fact that we were persecuted. All right? And they do not overseas have that idea. They are going to stand for Jesus no matter what the cost. They're not looking for trouble. They're looking for opportunities to share Jesus with their friends and their their neighbors and everybody like that. And therefore, they're not flippant about the fact because they're probably gonna get punched in the face and, and beaten and whipped and all these sorts of things. In many of the situations for walking with the Lord and talking about Him, and therefore they count the cost. When I've been with them, joy, in in meetings, um, there is absolutely no doubt that they um, they before they open their mouths, before they pray for the sick, before they do anything, they realize and they know, okay, this is this probably is going to cause a reaction, and I'm going to feel some pain here. And therefore, they walk into it with eyes wide open. And therefore, it's not a flippant thing. Uh, They're very mature about it. Maturity comes in here big. Because when you're persecuted for your faith, your maturity jumps to a brand new level in the Lord. And therefore, um, there's (laughs) nothing here that I would say would put them in the idea of, I am going to absolutely just going to go out there and talk with everybody all the time, and that 's it no they don 't do that. They pick their spots and they 're not flippant about what they 're doing all right um, second thing I think we, we we have to realize is that there 's going to be um, long term gain, and they realize this, so they 're willing to suffer, as the Bible talks about. And they're willing to endure the pain and the persecution and all of that because of the long-term goal of, okay, I'm going to pay a price here, but the Lord will reward me for this one day in heaven. In other words, uh, I I quote this, short-term pain for long-term gain. And that is always in their minds. It's not like they're trying to to pile up um, treasures in heaven and they're going out and every day saying, "Boy, I hope I get hit 3 times and whipped 4 <laughs> times because that's like gold in heaven and I can I can I'm going to bank some of this stuff for the future." No, not that at all. They they do it with the pure intent, but they realize, "Okay, I'm going to suffer now, but in the long term, this is going to be okay." Um another one. And this was in Vietnam one time when the, this brother and I were sitting down talking. This is years ago. And he talked about the idea of persecution just shows that we're, we're doing the right thing and we're successful. And he says, persecution, good, just not enjoyable. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is probably the most down-to-earth, normal way of approaching this. Okay? Um, the last one I think we'll do is this, and it's um, sort of what—it um, uh, was brought to my attention— by a brother here, a pastor here in Canada. And I started to look it up and I started to ask our national brothers around the world. And it was about this whole thing of of the word persecution versus perseverance. So I was speaking at that November date um, in one church and the pastor said, we would like to um, use the word um, perseverance, persevering church rather than the persecuted church. And I thought, that does ring a bell. And then I started to go back and look at a lot of my notes, and I started to think about it. And then I made my next few trips overseas, I started to talk about these national leaders about it. And they said this to me in a couple of occasions. They said, yeah, Ron, when when you use the word persecution, we're a little bit uncomfortable, but we didn't want to say anything. (laughs) In other words, I fell into the trap with everybody else of using that, picking up that key little word, and talking about uh, the, the buzzword, the, per, the buzzword yeah. of the persecuted church, etc., which it is, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's the way you approach it. And they started to tell me we really don't like to draw that much attention to ourselves. It can go to our egos. Right. It means that we get puffed up in our spirit, thinking we are the persecuted church. And it's better, they say, if we could use another word. And I said, okay, this brother talked to me about the persevering church. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We will persevere through it, but we don't want to talk about it too much. We don't want to mention it every time we talk because it just puffs, puffs up, us up in our spirits. And then we get a pride issue. And we therefore, we want to minimize it. In fact, he says, this one brother from China, he says, we don't talk about it much at all. Actually, it's just sort of like, yeah, we, we, we got in trouble in that area. Let's not talk about it. We'll just move on. In other words, they're going to lift up the name of Jesus, the cause of Christ, the gospel, and all those things, rather than what they went through. And in that way, they are displaying very maturely what the word bondservant means, which I bring up all the time. In other words, a bondservant did not complain to the master about working overtime or about the fact that he didn't get enough food or that in the old days um, he he may have um, gone without certain rights and benefits. That was never talked about as a bondservant. A bondservant came, gave his life over to the master. The master could do whatever he wanted to without complaint. And the problem is is that we like to complain or tell other people many times about what we've gone through for Jesus' sake. Sort of like we want somebody to come up and pat us on the back right. and sort of say, okay, uh, you, you were a good soldier. And overseas, they just say, let's not talk about it.
0: Would you say that um, persecution, it, it's more than, or it can be more than just being persecuted for your faith? It could be uh, in, in terms of drawing you to the Lord even closer. Because I'm thinking of, let's say, the church in Serbia, for example. Yeah. Yeah. They are, the Romana people, the gypsy people, yeah. they're a persecuted people. And right yes. now we're seeing them coming to the Lord. So it makes me think that just the persecution in general might draw you close to the Lord, not necessarily just because you're believers.
1: Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. Um, I, I, you've got two levels of persecution. One is a cultural persecution and the other is a religious persecution. When you put them on the top of each other, like yeah. you were just talking yeah. about, yes, I agree. Um, you're going to get persecuted for, for what you are, and then you're going to get persecuted for who you are. Yeah. And that, that is the sort of thing that piles up on one another.
0: Yeah, so the Lord uses persecution as I guess, oh, my question. Yes. Yeah, it, it's yeah. a way to
1: draw people to oh, him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perse- persecution, persecution comes with, in many flavors. And it's all intended to, by the Lord to show the difference for what it means. It, it's proving loyalty hmm. more than anything else. And it is a testimony to other people that we are really willing to go through hardship, discrimination, problems, all these things, because we love Jesus so much. And therefore, other people will look at us, and that is sort of another thing that sets us apart. The big thing within the church is that we were, we were called saints. Okay? What, what does that mean? It means basically that we are the holy ones that are set apart. That's it. These are the ones that follow after God. And then people are going to notice that. The moment that you start to want to become like the world so that you're uh, in—there's no difference between you and the world, and nobody can tell that you're a Christian. If you're hiding it under a bushel basket, shall we say, the gospel, then Jesus is very unhappy because he wants that—he wants you to shine as a believer, he wants you to separate yourself from the world. He wants a different lifestyle. He wants a different, uh, different words coming out of your mouth. He doesn't want—let's get into something really down to earth. He doesn't want Christians to be swearing or using foul language. He just doesn't. Why? Because that's what the world does. Right. We, we talk different. We have cleaner minds. We have cleaner thoughts. We have, we have cleaner everything because God is cleaning us up. And therefore, all of this stuff, and the persecution and the words and our, our identi- identification as part of the world, um, he doesn't go for that at all. He wants us to be separate.
0: And so the climate that we're living in today as believers in North America, that separation is um, absolutely going to be bringing us a little bit more of this persecution. And so if if anyone had the intent of maybe— hiding their light under a bushel, then that's just going to make things perhaps a little bit worse. So my question in that is, what's advice to Christians here in North America based on what the national church is doing if we're about to face more persecution?
1: Everybody has to make a decision in their lives. Do they want to be known as a believer? Do they want to be proud of Jesus or not? And the days will be coming when, um, when Christians will not have a good reputation in the eyes of the world. And therefore, it's going to be a matter of courage. Peter, around the campfire three times denying Jesus, he lacked courage. And it's going to be the same for us in the end times. It's going to be a matter of, do you make a decision consciously to follow the Lord humbly? And are you going to therefore stand up for him, his word, the gospel, are you proud of following that 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 person who died for you, for your sins? Are you proud of that or not? Make that decision. And the world is forcing us now to make that decision. No matter the consequences. No matter the consequences. And therefore, this is going to be a... Great time coming up, (laughs) and
0: uh, and he uh, says that with a really big smile. Oh, yeah! No, no,
1: serious. Uh, From what I see around the world, with the national churches in the world, um, and the depth that they are, uh, the more they're persecuted, the deeper they go in Jesus. The stronger they are, the more mature they are. They have a better look outlook on life. So, I think I think for the Western Church, the best days are ahead, and you can say. Well, that's a cavalier attitude. It's not. It's a realistic attitude. This is going to hurt. But at the same time, like my brother in Vietnam, persecution, good. Just not enjoyable.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. Again, anyone listening who did not know this, if you would like to receive Ron's situation reports, you can go to our website, ronpierce.org or empowerministries.ca, and you can sign up and receive Um, all the, the updates on what's happening in the National Church.